working hard at repairing S3, believe we understand root cause, are working on implementing what we believe will remediate the issue. Must investigate further. Hello. Hey, Marilyn. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I could be, I could be better. Why? Oh, the whole, the whole internet is down. Oh, is that affecting you? Yes, and Fireside, and it's not, oh, a, no. not a pretty not a pretty day. And there's nothing to do but wait. And when people say what's going on, you you have to just tell them you're sorry, and hopefully Amazon will fix it soon. Is it? I was trying to read up on this because I'm not seeing too many problems. You're, it, well, you're oh, West Coast. It affects. Uh, it, it is East Coast. Okay. That's yeah, what and like. and what I don't know is behind the scenes at, at Amazon. I think. Like if your files and stuff, whether it's like your images or whatever it is, if they're on Amazon's East Coast structure, infrastructure, and you're coming from the West Coast, is it still down for you or is it down because those files sort of live in one place? I don't, I don't know the answer, but I know that oh God, me here, in, here in as far, as far West as Texas, we, we there's everything is, <laughs> nothing works, but Skype is so working. Fire, Fireside, Fireside is affected. Um, what, at least for some to, people. Yeah. Yeah. I was just listening to, I see, I don't even know what runs where I don't think overcast is on S3. Uh, but apparently I mean, the thing people is, are it, saying it touches, that's not working too. So I don't know. Okay. It must be a West coast thing. It's so strange though. I mean, this is God, this is one of those, like, how do you even explain this problem to somebody? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not a, you know, a seasoned technologist. I understand roughly what's happening. The the thing that is serving a huge amount of, especially content, right? This is yes. AWS. So this is S3 uh, storage services. This this is not the computational stuff. This is more the storage stuff, right? I, I believe so. Uh, I, it might be more than that. And of course, they're, the updates that they have, if you just go to the uh, status.aws.amazon.com uh, service health dashboard, mm-hmm. uh, it shows you this huge dashboard da- of what's going on, and uh, and uh, you want to hear their message? We're continuing yeah, to work to remediate the availability issues for Amazon mm. S3. AWS <laughs> services and customer applications depending on S3 will continue to experience high error rates as oh, we're actively working God. to remediate the errors. So it is okay. S3, but yeah. Should should I'm just thinking maybe me and you just as a as a you know <laughs> just just to help out we could workshop that a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> A bunch of stuff is broken right now. Stuff may be broken for you. We're trying to fix it. Right. We're on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and okay. So this is, this is one of those things though. It's like. That's actually a really know. great way to say it. I mean, that's, that's well, as well, Here's the status, be. the status, but here's where it gets complicated. I'm sure. Cause like, for example, like there's things where I don't even think about it. Like I just did a screen grab a few minutes ago and in the screen grab, it was weird. I noticed that. You know, the, uh, whatever the trick with a rounded corner, we used to do it with tables. However, they do that now with CSS. I noticed a, a missing image on what appeared to be just a web page. And now right. it occurs to me, oh, that's probably it. But you know what? The other ones on the page might load fine. Or you reload because this is, there's so many, I think there are so many levels to this with caching and CDNs. Yep. Um, CDNs, right? That's what they call yes, it. Yes, correct. But I mean, there's so many different things that could be affecting this, and it's probably really difficult to s- tell somebody conclusively what's happening, except that it's probably broken for a lot of you right now, and we're working on it. Yep. Oh, God. There was one of these. We, we probably talked about this. Gosh, it's probably been like three, four years, but there was a big one of these that affected Yeah, in 2015. So, 
Was that it? And okay. it was out for like more than five hours and it wasn't just one region like we're out now. It was like everything was was gone. And it's basically like the the internet's files went away for <laughs> for five hours. And when we say the internet's files, I mean I th- I mean I've used AWS for a total of probably about eight minutes. It was confusing and expensive to me. I didn't understand it. Right. I don't I don't understand the buckets. <laughs> Somebody explain buckets to me. <laughs> got a bucket. Is it a private bucket or right, a public bucket? Right. Are you gonna pay for the upload or the download? Number of downloads. I don't know. What? Bucket? Very confusing. But uh, I, so what are the kinds of things that will be affected? I mean, the really obvious, probably not so much served pages, but a lot of assets, including images, right. guessing sound files, um, probably video. But I, I think the way people see it a lot is probably with images. What are the, what are the other things that break when this breaks? Well, uh, right now, since it's S3, I mean, any kind of content that's stored there, it could be images, videos. I people mean, serve a lot of like static pages from there, though. They're usually using something else for serving the actual pages, right? Usually. But think about something else. So, for example, um, Amazon offers uh, essentially you can have like computers that are their virtual computers, uh, like virtual right. hosts. Amazon provides those uh, as a service as well. So you might go and get one of those. I think they call it um, EC, ECC or EC2 Elastic Computing Cloud. So you yeah. basically have like an on-demand web server that you that might be running your website or running your business. Tons, and, of, tons of startups do that, don't they? Oh, yeah, because it's really – first of all, it's really affordable to get started. And then when you all of a sudden are serving like 10 million hits per second, you just scale up and spawn new machines. Well, their hard drives, the – the virtual hard drives that they use are on AWS also. Oh, okay. That changes things. Yeah. It it can, it can potentially affect lots and lots of services. So my friend who works at Heroku, which is a, a wonderful hosting company, like it's a great way to like deploy your rails app and host it. And you don't have to worry about your own servers. Everything they do, uh, the servers, the drives, the databases, like everything is on Amazon S3. So like if you're oh, on Heroku, I didn't like know that I thought Heroku was its own independent play. It is. It is totally is. But behind the scenes, they're uh, yes. they're all running on S3. That's not a secret, by the way. OK. Um, oh, I mean, uh, it's, like I didn't just reveal the secret I shouldn't have said. Uh, but well, yeah, the show so, will be rare, so. yeah, no, okay. it will never. We won't be able to post it. No, we can't. We, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The call's coming from inside the computer. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, you know, S3 is wonderful because it's a way to have uh, un- unlimited storage. So, like, like if if you were doing – let's just say you're a, an image file hosting company, right? And like, let's say you're like a Flickr or something like that. And you just mm-hmm. – you don't know. You might go from having 100 customers to like now you're LinkedIn, you know, on the front page of every website and you get hundreds of thousands of signups over the period of a few days. Well, like you're not going to be able to scale fast enough to add storage in a traditional hosting environment. So Amazon S3 lets you just, oh, look, more files, no problem. We've got we have all the hard drives, so they just it grows automatically. You use as much storage as you need, and it's essentially unlimited. And that's wonderful for thing for for things like storage. It's also highly redundant, so it's impossible to like have a hard drive crash somewhere and like oh you lost something. Nothing will ever be lost. It's all it always is there on Amazon S three, and uh, and so all of that's really useful until 
there's an outage. But that's why so many places use it. Uh, some of my friends over at The Verge are making jokes that they can't post any images or see any images because like that the Amazon is there in S3 is their entire back end for every image that's ever existed on The Verge, you know. So oh my it's God. it's a big deal when it when it goes down. Yeah. Uh, but they'll yeah, fix see, it. Showbot, Showbot's on Heroku, right? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> Application error. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, so like, so even though there's no hard drive associated with Showbot, it's, it, it's, uh, it's running on a Heroku, it's, it's running on device. a Heroku virtual device, which is on Amazon's backend. So yeah. Ooh, I, um, I forget how I came across this, you know, Ben Thompson from Stratechery. He's such a smart fella. Oh yeah. And, he's uh, a smart, smart guy. He was on, is that uh, how you the, say that Stratechery? I think he eventually capitulated and had to go with Stratechery. How was it before? According to John Sirkusi, he got he got primered. You know, like when when that movie, the movie Primer came out, the director was really <laughs> frustrated that people were pronouncing it Primer. It's, it's not Primer. Pronounced. Well, it is now because guess what? <laughs> is that a British what did, what did pronunciation, Marco, Primer? Marco was our friend Marco who coined the phrase "the snap to grid problem." Like when you have a. <laughs> You have a name, you have a, you, your, your name will snap to grid based on the name that somebody knows that it sounds like. So, you know, like I'll, I will become Marlin or Mel because like that's the snap to grid name that people think my name is. Oh, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, Stratechery. Anyways, uh, so I guess, you know, there's this guy I hear about a lot. I'd never experienced before. Uh, I think you like Bill Simmons. Is this his name? Yeah. Is that you like, isn't he somebody you like? Sports guy. Yeah. But you like him, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, I thought you. I feel like you said in the past that you like him and follow what he does. Uh, you're thinking he, of uh, you're thinking of Dan Patrick. I'm thinking of Dan Patrick. Wait, hang on. Oh, my bell's on S three. <laughs> uh, That's good. Uh, no, sorry, my bad. Uh, anyway, another sports ball guy called Bill Simmons has a podcast, uh, and he had been on recently, and it was a very very good ep- episode. I've added it to show notes. Show notes are still running. Hallelujah. Um, it's called the title of the episode is the battle for tech supremacy. And Ben's, he just, you know, amongst all these dumbass analysts with all their crazy ideas and guesses and reckons, Ben just seems like a very, very smart guy to me. I, I don't know him super well. I've met him like, I think a couple times, but I really enjoy his work. He said something so smart. He said one of those things. It's like, it's sort of like when Pixies, uh, the band Pixies arrived, you're like, well, how did this band not always exist? This band should have always existed. And Ben has these insights where you go like, Oh man, that's so obvious now. And he's, he was talking to Bill Simmons about like basically a lot of the big players in technology and what they're up to, what's the future of Facebook and stuff like that. And I'm not making this sound as interesting as it actually was because Ben's a super smart guy and Bill Simmons is a very entertaining guy. But to paraphrase Ben, when getting to Amazon, he did not pause for a second to say that Amazon is just basically winning yeah. like on all kinds of fronts. They've got so much runway. They're not afraid to lose money on something for a while to like destroy a given, you know, vertical. Uh, you know, I guess a lot of lay people don't know about all of their the backend services that Amazon, you know, built for themselves and then, you know, started charging for. It's huge. Like what we're describing right now, the internet is broken because of right. Amazon. And Ben right. said something, and I, I don't I won't say this as well as he did, but he said something along the lines of the Amazon strategy is like they want to cut of basically everything that ever happens. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Which if you think about it is, is kind of, that does really seem like where they're going. They want a piece of not just every retail transaction or hard goods sale, 
they want to not just sell you stuff like, you know, like Audible books. They want to not just, you know, sell you things for your Kindle. Their strategy is much bigger, much long term. I mean, the way we maybe thought about Walmart with regard to retail 20 years ago, that Amazon wants to have a place. I guess this is probably every company's strategy at some kind of offsite meeting. But Amazon is actually trying to do it. But now you see the downside of that. You see the violence inherent in the system because uh, <laughs> when their big service goes down, oh, brother, you know, they, yeah. they sneeze and the Internet gets a cold. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's that's exactly that's a great way to say it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it. That's in show notes, Dan. And as much as you're uh, uh, permitted, could you tell people where to find episode show notes for episode three three one three yeah, three one three? If you're back to work, five, program. palindrome. Five, the, the, I palindrome. The, I the snake eating its own uh, mm. five by five by five dot tv slash b as in brothers two is in the number w is in web slash three one three. I palindrome. I. A good song. I return to. I return to. They might be giants. Uh, pretty often, and it always pays off. But then you know my problem. Mm. Well, you know, amongst my many problems, my array, <laughs> as John Syracuse says, my array of problems. Yeah. One of my many problems is I get songs in my head. And so I'll Psalm, go and listen. Psalms. Sorry, I have pronunciation problems, as John Syracuse likes to say. I have songs Song, in my songs. head. Daughter, my daughter, Costco, my daughter. Uh, I get songs in my head. So I go and listen. I put on uh, something uh, like you put on a Dr. Worm. Yep. And that's in my head for two days. Yeah, I think that's normal. Oh, my that's God, it's normal so for bad. Me. Or like, man, it's so loud in here. Like, yeah. it just gets in my head. Lately, it's been songs from La La Land, where I get like another day of sun is in my head. That little dun 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 dun. dun. It's just I'm singing that all day long, and I feel like I'm losing my goddamn mind. <laughs> it might be a sign. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's probably a sign. It's I mean, a shame it could what be. It is. Anyway, uh, so is it still? Is it still down? Is it still down? Yeah, we can check throughout the show. Uh, yes, there is an update. Uh, that just came oh, please, in. Please, please, by all means, read me the update from their status page. It actually hasn't changed. They just put a timestamp in in the front of it, but it's mm. it's essentially the same update. It just now has a timestamp. They're non useful, non actionable remark stamps. Yes, yes. And Good you know what? Them. I don't. This is the thing. I don't really need to know what's going on or what happened, but they could give you more than that. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. Uh, what it used to be. If we go back and have a little bit of uh, old man corner, mm -hmm. it used to be that it was Yahoo. You'd open up Yahoo oh, yeah. and you could find, uh, you'd always say like, well, listen, you know, if Yahoo is, if Yahoo, first of all, if, if Yahoo doesn't come up on your computer, now today I would say Google, if Yahoo doesn't come up, something is wrong with your internet connection. Right. That was because how Yahoo you checked. That was how you checked your connection. Was open to up go, a browser window right. and type <laughs> yahoo.com. Yeah. <laughs> www.yahoo.com. And uh, up it comes. And that was your way. That was your send one ping only, right? That was your, this was the, you know, the white man's trace route. You just go and there it is. It's a ping. There you are. It works. Uh, but it's often very difficult. This is something we've talked about so many times. Like Comcast is not down, but Comcast DNS system is down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, does, uh, you know, Grandpa, Uncle Joe know to go and 
differentiate? Does he know to go to go and change his DNS servers in order right. to have that work? Right. No. Like, how would you even? You can't use the internet. Oh, uh, luckily, I luckily I have this next to my password diary. I have all of the lists of all the IP addresses, so I know where to go and find things out. I mean, that's really complicated. Um, and I think it goes for so many things. It's even when you roughly understand that something is wrong you may understand uh, what the thing is that's wrong right? before you ever get to why that thing is wrong. It's still very difficult to communicate that to people. How do you let people know that the reason the top left part of the curve on this image of this page on Twitter didn't show up? Like, how do you communicate that to people except to say it's broken and we're working on it? Lots of weird stuff is probably going to happen. Look at this page. You know, I, you know, it's funny how like so much has gotten standardized, even in like the pre bootstrap days, it feels like in the last, especially 10 years, so much has become very standardized and pattern based and how we make web pages. I mean, one pattern I would not mind seeing is that status.tld always goes to a status page hosted off of wherever that main site is hosted. Yes, I agree. What's funny is a lot of companies I notice use things like Tumblr. Yeah, I use Tumblr for a few other for status things too. Yeah, because so let's it, go see what happens. You go to status.twitter.com. And what do you get? That appears to be powered by status.io. What is status.io? Maybe a little startup doing When you click it, it goes to its own page. Oh boy, talk about the snake eating its Ouroboros. Chimney Christmas. status.twitter stat.us. status dot apple.com i think that takes you to the big dashboard <laughs> which which so rarely gives you anything useful what status.apple.com does not go to anything see i, I agree there should sensible? be a standard yes there should be a standard status.google.com site cannot be reached you're hearing me right i hear you <laughs> okay status.tumblr.com tumblr status page with nothing on it Okay, that's so weird. See, like that would be anyway. I, this is not interesting, but I kind of wish that. No, I um, think there should be a standard. I think we should have some kind of uh, some kind of a way th- to use it. But right. I've always used the Tumblr. I've always gone and set up a Tumblr, and uh, I'll even I'll even uh, suggest that people should go. It's it's for me. It's it's the best use of Tumblr besides all the comic books and porn is mm-hmm. to have a status page, and you just they have still a, left a lot of both of those up. The porn? And the comics. I think they really try to clean those things up, but there's still a lot out there. I found one that's just like pretty ladies from the 60s. It's really cool. I want to see that. I'll bet you do. do, uh, do. Okay, so then you go you go past. So so the, uh, well, the Paleolithic age or whatever, you got like, uh, is Yahoo available? That means the internet works. Then you got stuff. What was the OG? Is this down? Is it down for everyone or just me? Yeah, which is, is the by the way, which is hosted on Amazon stuff and it's down. No. Yeah. Down I'm, for it, everyone or just me is down right now. Oh, God. I am about to do something. Just so you know, tell my family I love them. Is down for everyone or just me.com down for everyone or just me? If you can see this page, is and it still working think for we're you? down. <laughs> if you can see this page and still think we're down, it's just you. <laughs> uh, not useful, but funny. And then I'll tell you one that is my go-to if, if something, especially with like my home cable is not working, that seems to be the one that is most susceptible to mystery meat outages. Oh yeah. Do you have to go to down detector? Down detector. 
Try down detector. I think this is one you've told me about. I think you've told me about it on, on the show, too. It's not coming up. This would be so ironic. Down detector. It's not loading for me. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so great. Yeah. Okay. Well, when it's Yeah, up, and there is a back-end 503 error now. It came up. That's no good. They got to go check their, uh, their struts and their cucumber. I actually had a question for you. Yes, you I, I don't want to transition too far away from, from this topic, no. but it's no. a, I need some parenting advice. Well, I would be, you know, put a pin in that. Down, Down Detector uses some, uh, I think, fairly primitive Disney magic to cobble together known issues along with reports, along with just watching Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, mm-hmm. to watch what people say. And I guess they've got just a little bit of, you know, uh, knowledge and intelligence to say, oh, lots of people are using these words and down. Right. And you can even get like a heat map when it's up. Down detector can be really good for zooming in and going, oh, well, no wonder there's like there's the tons of Comcast outages in Western San Francisco. So I guess that explains it. Yeah. That's so weird that it's down. So that's my pitch on that. Hey, everybody, let's make status.foo.com a thing. That should be a thing. I totally agree. You need a new project. You should do a status method. Well, That's yours. You just run with that. I mean, I think Tumblr's got it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that status, what was the one dot .io, the dot .io you found? They charged 29 bucks a month for, for it if you really want to pay. God, that's, it's just another eel. It depends, you know, how much you want to affect your burn rate. Oh, my God. You want to make sure you got a lot of runway. Yep. Yeah. Launchpad, you know. Here, follow uh, other good Tumblers. I want to hear about your parenting question. You ever look at uh, 4CP on Tumblr? four color process and it's no. just really really super zoomed in if you go look at my tumblr right now the latest thing is this awesome like classic incredible hulk really zoomed in so you can see all the benday dots what did you call it looks me? really cool i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> muscle top <laughs> benday yeah. dots that's what they call it right i'm looking at it i didn't know that's what they were called i've learned benday and i've learned uh primer and i've learned stratechery so much, so much to learn. Look at that Hulk. Um, Why don't they just fill it in with the color? It's so stupid. Yeah. Fill it I in. know, exactly, with all our modern methods. Yeah. Um, Recolor these things. So 4CP, I'll, I'll put that one in uh, into the notes. That's a good one. Let me see if I can find my 60s ladies for you. Yes, And it's not, it's not just salacious. It's actually, uh, I really like 60s. <laughs> I was hoping it was just salacious, but I'll look well, anyway. I mean, in my own defense, you know, it's a lot of pretty ladies, but it's also lots of just like cool, like swing in London. I have follow some of those kinds of like just people looking cool. Oh, yeah. Here's a good one. This obscure desire for beauty. That's a good one, too. That's got lots of pretty ladies, but it's really classy. Um. Uh, 4CP, put it in notes. And this one, and this is kind of NSFW, but I think it's mostly okay. Uh, this obscure desire for beauty. Dan, mm. did you have a parenting related uh, question or query? You know, come to think of it, I, I did. Yes. And um, this is something I never thought that I would experience with my own. Well, so far it's only affected one child and it's not something I'm sure I, I was ever anticipating happening in, in my family. Like this was a problem other people had and, and I kind of, but I, this kind of thing really is hitting home for me. And I, again, like sometimes things happen that really just, they take you by surprise. And you're like, this isn't, you know, not, not my child. This is a problem other people have, but uh, so I'll, t- I'll just, I'll set the scene. I'll tell you what happened. And you tell All me right. if you can intuit what the problem is. So 
my my son, he's uh he's nine years old, quite computer savvy, in some ways more computer savvy than I am, I would think. He's uh been, you know, he's quite competent on a Mac, on an iPad, and his primary machine is a, a PC, Windows PC that he uses for gaming. And he can get around there quite fine. He knows how to circumvent uh, the attempts I've made to block him from using YouTube. I mean, he's, he's good for him. Yeah. Good for him. And so he, he wanted me to go to a website. It was a website that had some beta of a game that he wanted me to get. So he said, uh, he said, okay, f- f- I want you to download this on my computer. Cause he knows I am in charge of the downloading and installation of stuff. So we're still mm-hmm. good there. So he said, okay, you know, open, open Chrome. So I opened Chrome and he said, uh, now go to google.com. So I w- went to google.com. He says, now in, in that search field there, type and whatever the domain name, he said, type, get me the game.com, whatever the name of the, do- get me the game.com. I said, into the search box. He said, yes, type it in the search box. I, so I typed it in the search box and he said, okay, now click go and I click go. And he said, there, that first link, click that. That's the website. Oh, he's the new generation of Yahoo finders. Yes. And I said, okay. Oh my God. You never think it's going to happen to you. On the one hand, I'm proud of him because he knows how to search. He, of course he knows how to search. He knows how to do, do things like that. But I, so I didn't say anything about it because I love him. I'm proud of him. I don't want to make him feel bad ever, you know, but like, I, and I know that if I had said to him, you know what, you can just type that right up here into the browser. He would have probably gotten it. But I also, I didn't want to. Like, I didn't want to, like, like, he was excited about it. I want to, like, make this into, a, like, a teaching time. You know what I'm saying? Do I point yeah, that you out gotta, to him? you got to really time, you got to time that stuff. Do, right? I, do I say anything about it? Do I let him, because there's no harm in him doing what he's doing. You know what I mean? It's one extra step, but, two extra yeah. steps. But, it, or do I, do I crack down and be like, listen, don't do that. Do it this way. It's better. What's, um, if you're being honest with yourself and your listeners, yeah. what, what's the thing that really bugs you about that? inefficiency, ignorance, um, pride. You kind of don't want him doing that in front of the neighbors. Makes him look like kind of a loser. Right. It's, there's definitely an aspect of pride to it, I think, because I, like, I don't think I'm not, I wouldn't blame you. I'd feel the same way. It's not, it's not so much the ignorance because kids, kids and adults, we're all ignorant about different things. But like, I feel like him not doing that it's a, maybe even reflects a little badly on on me for maybe not not giving them the heads up on it shame on you yeah well you know someone could see that and be like what kind of parents do you have oh i know you know it's like sending your kids to shirt and it's like sending send your kids to school in like a marlboro like premium shirt like <laughs> you know yeah like it exactly. way oversized like it was clean you know <laughs> <laughs> And the dog ate my homework. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, how bad is it? How bad? Because, like, um, I know a lot of people of a, of a certain age that that's that's the internet for them. Is that you 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 type the the dome? One of my my friend who is my age and his wife who is my age. Uh, that's how she used the internet. And he was a computer scientist that taught me half of what I know about programming and software development over the years. And and I mean, he, he was like a CTO of a software development company, knew his stuff, but like, that's how his, and he had told her, his wife, this is how you do it. And she's like, okay. And she just kept doing it the old way. I yeah. feel like it's a problem. Like, I when feel like watch, Google should watch somebody work if you when do you that. watch, I mean, the classic example of not to be sexist, but the classic example is always like whatever the, the receptionist at the front desk 
who only ever uses menus and doesn't learn the key commands right. and you just, or your parents or whomever in your family and you're just like, oh, please let me help you. Please, command C, command C, command C, command C. Um, well, let me answer your anecdote with an anecdote yeah. and, and then I, that will provide you with my answer. Uh, the anecdote, um, my kid is really good at Google and she's really good at finding stuff and she, but here's the thing. Um, she does it all with dictation. Really? So, oh yeah. She does not like to type. And even if she has to go in and change her search query, she'll move the cursor and then speak. And this drives me completely bananas. Syracuse's son does the same thing. And it makes me, it makes me crazy because <clears throat> on the one hand, like you, yeah, I'm proud of her. Like she's learned how to do the thing like that, that she can use the iPad as well as she does makes me really happy. Um, and I certainly wouldn't want to discourage her. So, I mean, but, but I, I ask you those questions because I feel like part of my thing is it is partly like, um, ignorance is too strong a word, but that it is like, you're not doing this the right way. You're not doing this the efficient way. You know, it would be like, like I say, you send your kids over for a play date and not, like they don't know how to use a fork or something. You'd be like so embarrassed. Like, <laughs> right. oh, my kids, my kid is a monster. They, you know, they don't know how to use the bathroom or something. <laughs> like <laughs> every parent secretly worries that their child is wiping wrong. Yes. Everybody worries. Don't yes. worry. Everybody worries. Um, <laughs> have I created a monster? <laughs> May I mumbo dog face to the banana patch? <laughs> but, <laughs> but. <laughs> Steve Martin. I know Still he's relevant. great. Yep. Still relevant. But um so here's the thing though in my, with my anecdote is like well is is what she's is what she is doing really all that wrong? I mean in a similar way my wife very minimally very very minimally fretted about the fact that she doesn't really use a computer at home. Mhm. She's she flies with the iPad. She now has an iPad that's mostly hers to use. And, and she's really great at it. And she plays the video games. And she she keeps every time she touches our phone, she rearranges all the icons into folders to please her. No. Oh, she turns the screen brightness all the way up. Oh god. Anyway, doesn't plug it back in. That's okay. That's my problem. But you know what? She finds what she's looking for. And like all of us in our early days of using the internet, we learn slowly little things. We learn little tricks. So like she's never had to unlearn all the crappy habits that we began using Google with. Right. You know, where and Syracuse and I have talked about this a lot on, on um, reconcilable differences where it's like you, there used to be like secret incantations, um, but not just advanced queries, but there used to be secret incantations to find what you wanted on, say, Alta Vista. Now, today you can go onto Google and type your question like an animal, right. and it will find it perfectly. It will be at the top of the page, and it will have a little line around it to say, this is the answer that you were looking for. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to be smart. Forgive me if you've heard this on the other shows, listeners. But, but you know, and that's the same thing here, where, like, she is learning, but you know what else she's doing? Uh, you know, uh, CF, our last eight, eight episodes, she is she's using the future. The voice is the future mm -hmm. here. Yes. I really believe that. I don't think the future is here yet, but that's what makes it the future. Uh, she's using that computer the way that people will use computers mostly in five years, I think. And so I have to, I have to check myself before I wreck myself, you know, as uh, John Roderick says, I got to check my sex. Like, am I just being unnecessarily, uh, obdurate or am I being, um, old fashioned in doing that? Well, the truth is like using, not using a computer at home has not been a problem. She's fine. She flies on the Chromebook. She likes right. to code. She's good with the mouse. She'd prefer the iPad, but guess what? Guess what else is probably the future? Touch screens. She's learning the thing 
that the world is becoming, not the thing that the world used to be. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I still, as much as I would like to think I'm a forward thinking person, I do have to check myself and go like, wait a minute, am I, am I trying to force her to learn how to hand crank the car to get it started? Because that's the way my father did it. Yeah. Um, so in your case, I, I don't think it's quite as clear with what he's doing, but I'll bet he'll figure it out. You know, I, yeah, I, and, true. and the other thing is, if you look at it from a slightly higher level, I mean, this is the, the, the thing I was joking about earlier, again, with the Yahoo is it was very common for me as somebody who was pretty, I got, I was pretty early to the graphical web and that became my job. I considered myself pretty good at it. I didn't actually understand a lot of the you know, lower levels of the technology stack. But I, I was really good at like getting around and doing stuff and I could show people stuff. I taught some classes very poorly, you know. So when I would go into a client's office to talk about web stuff and, and I would say, oh, you know what, for example, check out CNET.com. They do a really interesting thing with what's called a table where on the left side, you'll see they have a navigation bar that doesn't move. And so they go, okay, I'm, I'm bringing up my Yahoo. I'm clicking, I'm clicking. And so they go to Yahoo and type in CNET.com. That's kind of what your son is doing, yeah, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. If the habit that he develops is to go to the place where all the information lives and start typing in words, he may be way better off than somebody who feels like I need to go to CNN to find the news in some ways. Very, I mean, no, you know what? You're actually making a really interesting case for it because it is higher. It's a higher level thing. Aren't, but aren't he, domains he's, like a little bit antiquated? Domains, why don't you just type in the IP address if you know it? Well, I already I have the domain name. Oh, well, you know, but that could be the DNS could be down. You should always type in the IP address. Like who would say that even right. 20 years ago? Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to get better about uh, peeling away my own stupid ideas about how this stuff has to work. I think he'll be fine. I think the fact that he's using it is 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 really good. And And, and again, he'll figure it out. There's nothing about what he's doing that's that damaging. Yeah. Have you expanded? Um, so does that, does that, are you, uh, yeah, are you I satisfied? Feel, I feel here? better about it. I'm not, I'm right. not going to say anything and I'll, I'll just observe. And just drive yourself a little bit crazy. Yeah. Easier said than done. Uh, have you done any more, like, you, you always talk about how you block YouTube. Like, how are you doing that? Are you doing that with OpenDNS? Why, DNS? so you can hack my home network? No, thanks. <laughs> uh, well, I've tried a few different, I've tried a few different things. Um, mm -hmm. The one that I think I talked about here in the past is you can, if you if you switch your DNS service to Open DNS to use Open DNS, uh, which you can do on a router basis, so it'll affect all the devices in your house, or on a computer slash device by device basis. Uh, if you set your DNS service to be Open DNS, then you can create an Open DNS account. You can associate it with your IP address, yep. uh, and then. Any requests that come in from that IP address, which is typically your house, your get your router, uh, will and 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 that is set to use the OpenDNS servers will have something blocked in a way. So, well, it's I mean we should we should mention like at the outset that like the Google service or you know what have you, OpenDNS can you should test this yourself. But the the main thing I think the main thing the selling point is that it's fast, stable, and reliable. DNS lookups faster than probably your local provider, right? Isn't that how the, the, the main value proposition is you get these two totally different IP addresses to enter in. They're not that different, but anyway, uh, but isn't that the main selling point? Yes. It's like you get, you get better DNS. You what better. you're describing is, is uh, ends up, I think being the real service, which is now anytime and you associate that with your home or whatever, you get some cool stats on how stuff is being used. But yeah, then you can go in and you can, at a, you can there's like radio buttons to just say like, brr, like batten down the hatches, like, 
shut off everything that could be objectionable. You can go, and can you do onesie twosies too? Can't you go in and add certain domains? Yeah, yeah, you can. You, you can pretty much, and it's uh, it's a free like the basic service doesn't cost anything, and it's really useful. But you know, I don't really want to block all of YouTube for him because there are a, a lot. There's a lot of stuff uh, on on there that I would have no problem with him using on a regular basis and or watching rather. There's tons of content on there that's uh, that's that's valuable and good for him, and so. There are other services and things that I've experimented with and and kind of been looking at. And YouTube itself has a setting if you make an account where you can kind of limit stuff. But like you can just unclick the thing. You just click the box. It's like it, like you just click the thing that's that that undoes it. Like any anyone with a mouse can do that. It's not locked like the account isn't locked down and and the other day he's like dad i really think I should, it's time i have youtube red I'm like oh you think it is like yeah i, I don't like watching all these commercials on there I, I think i should have youtube red and i want an account i want my own account i'm like i bet you do whenever my daughter says I, this is such a dad thing to say whenever my daughter asks for something that i perceive of as a little cheeky and outrageous yeah. she'll go like you know um i want a second ipad or whatever. And right. I, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. But for example, I'll say, yeah, I want to be tall. Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> life is suffering, honey. <laughs> um, uh, da, 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 open DNS. What was the other thing? Yeah. You know, the thing I still think about, and I, I haven't thought I need to rethink this and do some research before this becomes an issue rather than after it becomes an issue. But there feels like there is a basic problem with iOS in particular, which is that, again, in this in this sort of security stack, let's say your kid has an iOS device that they're allowed to use. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you, you probably want to have a, uh, a code on it, like a security code, right? like a four to six digit code, yeah, something like that. Like when you, like you want, you want to have that on there so that, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I want her to understand that like when you're not using a device, it should be locked. It's right. just, it's like the door to your house. Yeah. So yeah. And she knows the code. And so then you can go in and you can make all kinds of, so now she knows the code to unlock it. The code to unlock it, I believe is still the code that is also used to change things like parental settings. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Is there a separate? I, I think it's the you same can, code. No, wait a minute. No, no, no. You can set a separate, I know this, you can set a separate, uh, it's under the restriction setting in the preferences. You can set a password for that and that can be a different numeric code that's independent of whatever your kid has used. Okay. And I must, I'm, I'm, I'm probably misremembering, but when I very first got her set up on a device that was going to be mostly hers to use in, I forget what it was, but it was probably an old, like an iPod touch or an old iPhone or something that she was going to use mostly as the thing that she used. I remember going through this and feeling like there were still some really outrageous holes in it. Maybe that's not it. I'm but, sure there um, still are. Uh, it's, 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 I'm such a pessimist. How about what, about what? About computers and technology and not be, you know, and keeping, keeping our kids safe. It's just, Oh, uh, pessimist really. Yeah. I'm not giving up because I feel like it's impossible. It'll never, it'll never be right. We'll never find a way to, to really do it. It's a, it's a fool's, a fool's errand. Fool's errand. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I've come around, I think, maybe just because she's only barely becoming a, a an early tween at this point. I haven't seen the worst of it. Also, people are less terrible than they used to be. Um, at least, you know, just, they're a lot less bullying. Is that bullying. factual? <laughs> There's all kinds of statistics on how much less terrible people are today. It's not a popular thing to say, but like there's all kinds of horrible crimes that were much worse in, say, the 40s, 60s. Um, Anyway, in this instance, I, again, I feel like I got to check myself, which is that there's this thing that parents, old people, and perverts do that's really a bummer, which is that they take their own hangups, fears, and secrets about life and unintentionally project it onto their children. So uh, whatever it is that you're hung up about, whatever your ugly secrets are, whatever the things are that keep you up at night, you will, as hopefully like a you know, good caring parent, like you will focus that like a laser beam on your kid. Mm. So if you're a total pervert, you're going to assume that your kid's a total pervert. If, if you uh, are ashamed of stuff in life, you're going to probably make your kid ashamed in life. You pass that along. If you have an anxiety, you can be damn sure you're going to pass some anxiety onto your kid. Uh, even if it's a different anxiety, what they're going to learn is anx- anxious is normal. What if, you all don't, kind of, what if you just don't spend any time with your kids? That's probably the smartest thing. That's what I'm thinking. You could, you could, uh, you could kennel them. You could send them to like that Donald Trump uh, uh, military academy. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of ways you can do that. I mean, we're enrolled. So, I mean, I try to use that uh, with myself and go like, okay, well... Uh, am I the prevert here? Like I watched Dr. <laughs> Strange love last night. I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to answer to the Coca-Cola. It's a good movie. Oh God, it's so good. It's still so, still good. so, I know. so it's gorgeous and it's perfect. And there's not a wasted second in that movie. It's all gorgeous. But I don't know. I mean, like maybe I'm, eh. but like I try to think about like, okay, how much of this is my own hangups, my own fear, my own anxieties, my own whatever, um, just for myself and, and go like, well, I mean, obviously you want to do the, at least the de minimis amount of stuff to keep the screen door on life latched. I think that's reasonable to do, but I don't know. And like I say, I can, I can, um, this is the kind of thing that Dr. Drang, uh, likes to, likes to rib people like me about is like being he's, very optimistic. He's still around. He's still kicking. As far as I know, okay. still in there in the command line. Um, I don't know that that's, that's my guiding principle though, is just, is to, and this is, if there's anything I've learned from my friend, John Syracuse doing a show with him is that it really pays to doubt yourself a lot more often and about different things than you expected. Like doubt yourself, doubt your, I've le- I'm learning to get better. I hope about doubting my perceptions, doubting my thinking and not, not to become like some kind of a, like a, a mental or emotional mess, but to go like, hang on, Johnny, let's slow your roll. Are you sure you really understand what's going on here? Or do you have some snapshot good template about how life works that you want to put on to effing everything? And so in that case, it's like, okay, well, I've heard lots of stuff from ABC news shows or NBC news shows about, about all the perversions that are out there. Like, you know, so now what do I do? Do I, do I way overreact to that? Is my kid going to see lots of ugly, violent things? And I, I don't have an answer to that. And I'm okay with that. But what I am, my main change I'm trying to instill day to day, moment to moment in a mindful way is to be smarter about looking what is, act, what is actually there versus what do I imagine is there and how many true catastrophic calamities await us 
that aren't the kind of thing that we'll see coming down the pike a little bit. Because the truth is, the catastrophic calamities, guess what? They're probably things you can't really control. Yeah. If you've latched the screen door, yes, latch the screen door, uh, but you can't perfect life. You cannot put your kid or yourself under a bell jar. Um, you will suffocate. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like I say, it's, I, I say this kind of half jokingly, but I like when my kid tricks me, um, or gets away with something mostly, or I find some candy wrappers in a drawer and I'm like, Oh, good on you. Like mm -hmm. you, you pulled one over on me. That's, that's good. You're growing. <laughs> if she never tried or not just my daughter, but anybody, if your kid never tried something ambitious behind your back, like, wouldn't you be secretly a little bit disappointed? Like they're never going to be a spy. They're never going to, they're never going to become, uh, like uh, some kind of cool James Bond character. But you want to, yeah, I mean, you want to, you want to protect your kid. You want to know what's going on. I just don't want to become one of those people that like, spends all day looking at their history and reading their diary, be out of some like misplaced idea that I'm protecting them by, that I am conclusively protecting them by being fretful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't want to be that way. Although I am this, I mean, this just came, this came up the other night you know, all day long, all day long. Like there's the same things we just say over and over. And I know it's ineffective, but we say, look, you know, could you not put the glass of milk on the floor there? Could you, could you not put the glass of water on the mm. floor there? Could mm. you not, could mm. to, and you just say it, you say it over and over because you know what's going to happen. Like this is entropy. Like it's going to eventually fall over, which it does like twice a week. And then a funny thing happened. So two nights ago, of course, she kicked over the glass of milk and she freaked. She was, she's like, I am so mm. sorry. I am so sorry. Cause she knows we say it all the time, but I was like, it's okay. And I went and I grabbed uh, a, a dish towel and I sopped it up and I said, you know, I said, you, I, I don't know if you have noticed this about mom and me yet, but there's a funny thing about mom and me that I want to make sure, you know, we fret and bug you so much to try and avoid something from happening that may be unavoidable. But when that thing actually happens, did you ever notice how calm we are and that we don't actually freak out? That's the funny thing about parents is all of our fretfulness goes into the, 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 the worry and the nagging. But like when there's actually a problem, I'm actually super calm. Even right. if something is as mellow as just spilling, spilling a glass of something. Because I know she didn't mean to do it. I know she feels bad about it. And that is not a good time to yell at her about where the milk should go. The milk is always going to get knocked over because this is life. This is not a simulation. Like stuff happens. So like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's very like useful advice, but like, I think you have to be picky about the times you decide to, uh, bring down the boom. Yeah. The, the, bring down I the just whammy. talked a lot, Dan. I'm so sorry. I had a second kombucha and now I'm talking a lot. I apologize. Well, I have a, an update on mm. um, the Amazon, uh, AWS. Issue. Breaking news. We have now repaired the ability to update the service health dashboard. <laughs> so until now, all Woo! of their services were showing as green and running fine because they couldn't update their, their status page. They have repaired oh. that. So now all their services are either red or orange. Uh, Still? Yeah. Uh, How the, is this happening? The service updates are below. We continue to experience high error rates. Which is impacting various AWS services. We're oh my working. God, I hate this language. I hate this language. So We're much. working hard at repairing S3. Believe we understand the root cause and are working on implementing what we believe will remediate the issue. Oh my God! 
get somebody else to write those. That is not the way that people talk. You're, so my website won't load and you're implementing experiences? Like, stop talking like that. It's weird. Ugh. Experiencing. It's broken. Yeah. We're not sure what's wrong. We're trying to fix it to learn how we're doing. Keep coming here. So weird. Why don't people talk like people? Jimmy, Chris. Yeah, I mean, to who, who reads that and thinks... This is the best way to convey to, to real human beings what's going on. Well, it's that kind of, I'm looking for that George Orwell essay. We're working um, on implementing what we believe will remediate the issue. I mean, it makes sense. It's, I can't fault uh-huh. him too much on it, but. What's his famous essay? Hey, essay. Hey, essay. Uh, politics and the English language, which I think is still covered by copyright, so it's kind of hard to find. Wasn't it? Politics uh, in the... Um, okay, yes, I see. Ahead. Politics in the English language, 1946. Essay focuses on political language, which according to Orwell, quote, is designed to make lies sound truthful and murder respectable and to give an appearance of solidity to pure wind, unquote. Orwell believed that the language used was necessarily vague or meaningless because it was intended to hide the truth rather than express it. This unclear prose was a, quote, contagion, unquote, which had spread to those who did not intend to hide the truth and conceal the writer's thoughts from himself and others. Still, go read the essay, but that pretty much explains it. Like, language has meaning. That's what makes it language and not a dish towel. Like, when you use words, when you deliberately put together these polysyllabic words, you start to unintentionally hide what's actually happening, which is... I'm really sorry we are inconveniencing you. It's kind of a mess here right now. We're not sure what's going on, but we're we're trying to figure out what it is. When we know more, we'll tell you more. But yeah, just so you know, we're freaking out too. Right. I'm so sorry about this. Right. You think you're having a bad day. Oh, Jimmy, you should be up in we're this fixing. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even know which car we locked our keys in. Yeah. Ooh. Oof. Oof. Boop. All right, uh, Dan, did you want to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about a new sponsor, Mott and Bow. This, I want to hear about this. Have I'm, you, I'm have you heard about what this? this op- I'm trying to figure out what this operation is, and I want you to tell me more about it. All right, so they make jeans. And I don't know about you, but like one of the things I, I don't, I don't like to shop for clothing of any kind. Mm-mm. And you and I have talked about uh, glasses that you can get online, other things you can get online. And the trouble with ordering something online is that you don't know if it's going to fit, right? Same thing with like a bed you might order online. You don't know if you're going to like it until you sleep in it. Well, how do you do this with, uh, with, with, with jeans? Because jeans are, I, I think, I think I- incredibly personal. Yeah. It's one of the single toughest things to, to get right in terms of clothes fit. It really is. And Very you, personal. And everybody's butt is different. They're just going to have to run with that. No, that's, you know what? That could be their, like their thing. They could, just, they could just go. Yes. I like that. I'm going to, I'll yeah. send that over to them. Thank you. So these folks have come out. It was, it was founded by a guy who he grew up in a family that was, there were manufacturing genes. He moved from New York to Honduras. He, he wanted to like, there's, I have this whole story of it. It's an amazing story. It's like the, the ultimate, like independent person who wanted to go and like make something that has really great quality, but that's really affordable. He knows, he know. let me put it this way. Alejandro is his name. He know he knows jeans. Okay. Mm. He know just go run, run with that. He's been doing this for 35 years and 
they come out with these jeans that they're half the price of these designer jeans that are the same quality that sell for 200 bucks. And so here's how they solve the problem of not knowing how it's going to fit. First of all, you go to their site. Site's really nice. But you go there and you pick out the pair of jeans that you want and you pick the size you think is going to fit for you. Then you pick a second one at a different size, maybe one size up, one size down, whatever you want. And they send you both. You what? Keep, you keep the one that, you, that fits you and you send you the second pair me? back for free. That's No, that's how this it works. This is a thing. Oh my God. That's how it works. This is a, Dan, this is a revolution. It is. They're the only ones that I think doing this. Oh my God. And, uh, and you send it back for free. You don't have to spend any money for it. And then that. they don't get mad when you send it back? No, they don't get mad. They're not frustrated? No, they don't care. That's what they want you to do. Do they grumble? They haven't. And so I, I did this and I have, <sighs> I have the, the jeans. I actually wore them yesterday because I was, <laughs> I was thinking we were going to record yesterday. Uh, why? Because we've never recorded on a Monday. But so what? I said, yeah. I'm wearing, I'll wear them. I'll talk about them while I'm on the show. I'll say I'm wearing them right now. And then I realized, no, because it's Monday. Mm. So I wore them yesterday. Oh, no. Very, very comfortable. I was, you know, I kind of get into a rut where I'll buy like the same thing all the time. Like, oh, these, these jeans are worn out. I guess I need to go back to the same store and buy the same exact ones again. This kind of broke me out of that. And, uh, mm. and these are really great. They're very high quality. They're great looking. They have this classic clean style and the fair price for the money. And the convenience of this program where you pick the one out and they send it back to you. There's a pre-printed label. You just back. It's gone. You have to worry about it. I just, I just love it. And the jeans are great. They feel great. And they do not just the men's jeans. They do the women's jeans too. Women are always focused on, you know, how do they, uh, how do they make my, uh, my butt look? Hmm. Is that what they do? They do that. And so when, when they put these on and they say, how how do my, how's my butt look? And you say, it looks great. Say no. That's right. And they're 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 great jeans. You can it's do a trap. <laughs> Seriously, I think people should give these a try. Break out of your uh, your jeans rut. They're going to run with that too. And go to Mott, and I'll spell this out: Mott and Bow. M O T T A N D B O W dot com. M O T T A N D B O W dot com. The promo code uh, to use is back to work, and it will give you twenty percent off your first purchase. That's off their already uh, very affordable that? price. Yeah, use it. Huh? These are good jeans. I mean, I know, I know I you're particular, and these might work for you. I've gotten slender, and my old big boy jeans don't fit. You dropped some poundage, but I don't want to look like a dirty hipster. I need some nice trousers. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go to give it. Give it to him one more time. Give it to him like Paris Slider made from 100% Paris. Tell, tell him where to go for this. Mott and Bow. M O T T A N D B O W. dot com. Promo code back to work. Twenty percent off. Mm. And you get the you get the tuper. Okay. Do it. Okay. Do it. Lots this of different styles. This isn't there. like that financial company where we're not supposed to actually use it. It's okay for us to buy. From yeah, these you can people, totally right? buy from them. I mean, if you yeah. want, I can try and see if I can get them to, to send check. you out a pair. So, which size am I? Which size am Pick I? Two. Slim Horatio, straight Crosby, <laughs> high rise skinny, mm. mid rise skinny, Carmine, high rise skinny, orchard dark gray. I should wear heels more. Yeah, it's very flattering. It's a, I'm it's glad a to hear that you, you dropped some weight, though. It's a flattering, flattering look for a man. Our thanks to let me get it right, Mott and Bow. Like the actor takes a bow. 
Oh, Mutt and Bao, thank you so much for supporting 5x5 five five and back to work. Um, mm, 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 very quickly, very quickly, very quickly. Thank you to everybody who came out to the Ungainly X-Man meetup. Ooh, how'd that go? It went really good. I just want to mention this really quickly because we did something we've never done before. Nice group, fun group. Took some pictures. Uh, people bought comics. It was awesome. Met lots of really nice people. I also just want to mention, I'm not going to beat this to death every single week, but for the very first time, we scheduled the next Ungainly X-Man meetup as we stood together as a group into Cats Comics, 3, 320 West Portal Avenue, San Francisco. So if uh, if you want to mark your calendar, I'll mention this when it gets closer, but the next one, number the diggity 16, I think, uh, next one is scheduled for April 27th. Two Cats Comics, 320 West Portal. You can go to merlinm.com slash meetup to learn more. Uh, but I just want to say thanks to uh, Two Cats for having us out. They're, they're a great group. That's all I want to say about that. <clears throat> Let me see if information on the new Fresh Air is up yet. Wasn't it here? Yes. Wasn't it here that we talked about I mentioned the poet Robert Lowell and we talked about bipolar and I was kind of, I think it was in reference to somebody talking about now that there was less tumult in their life. Where can they find inspiration? We talked about that here, right? I thought so. Yeah. Okay. I'm just double checking. It sounds like something I would I do a lot of shows. Like I, I, a lot of shows. I got a lot of problems. Um, there was a really, really good fresh air today. Um, uh, so you go to freshair.com, I think, and this will be in show notes. Um, Interview with Kay Redfield Jameson, who has written a book called Robert Lowell, Setting the River on Fire, subhead, A Study of Genius, Mania, and Character. Kay Redfield Jameson's new book describes how Robert Lowell's manic depressive illness influenced his life and work, quoting his manias, uh, tended to lead him into writing a fresh kind of poetry, she says. So this rang a lot of my bells. You got Terry Gross. You got Fresh Air. You got Robert Lowell. You got Talking About Creativity. You got Mental Illness. Sign me up. I really think y'all should listen to this. I have not read the book, but uh, I really recommend this interview. Uh, touched on a lot of super interesting stuff. Because he was he's basically one of my, I have two favorite American poets, and Robert Lowell is one of them. And he's, he's he wrote, he passed away in 1977. He just, he's had extreme bipolar, what was then called oh, manic man. depressive illness. Right. Uh, he, extreme. Well, I mentioned he would leave his wife every spring. He would show up at the orchestra, like conducting. He would basically have to be put into, was it McLean's hospital in Boston? Just four, four or six giant men would like drag him to the hospital because he was, he was really, really bad. But anyway, I just think it's, 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 it's interesting on so many levels. The author of the book also have, has bipolar. There's a lot of levels to enjoy. Um, one of my favorite things she touched on, um, paraphrasing here, he would write a lot, uh, Robert Lowell. He would write and draft a lot while he was going through a mania. But he usually did most of his editing when he was going through a depression. Oh, no. And I thought that was a, I, well, when you got a mania going on, it's my understanding that, you know, we have a mutual friend who has bipolar and he has described how you feel kind of invincible. Right. You take a lot of risks. You do a lot of, you, you get out there, you maybe run for a government position. <laughs> right. Like you, you, you're swinging from the rafters. Yeah. And a lot of people who are going through mania, hypomania, they, I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty mixed bag because on the one hand, you're like, oh God, what am I doing? Or what have I done? But on the other hand, like you have so much energy, you have so much, it sounds like brain cocaine, basically. Like you just, you know, and then the lows can be very low after that. 
So anyway, I'm not here to diagnose or anything or to say that you you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. I will just say, go and listen to this interview, uh, Terry Gross's interview with Kay Redfield Jameson, available at uh, freshair.com, and I will put this in show notes. I think it's an interesting topic. Well, very interesting. I'm, talk, I'm, I'm talking a lot. I had two kombuchas, and now I'm talking a lot. Do those amp you up? Is it the sugar? Um, I only had like half of a coffee earlier. Oh, you know what? Mm. I also took a smart drug today. That might be it. Yeah. I'm always experimenting with the nootropics. Oh yeah. Yep. Not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> what? So I, I had, um, I had two topics. Yes. You there. Uh, if you don't, only if you don't. I have a short one, but I want to hear yours. Well, one of Roll them, it, one of them was, I uh, remember how I mentioned the show, the eighties to you. Yeah, that CNN thing on on Netflix. Netflix. I yeah. finally got up through episode six, and episode six uh, of the eighties, it was uh, all about computers. And uh, look at that; it's on YouTube also. It might just be I'm. Yeah, look at that. Hmm, so I bet weird. you they're going to take it down. But anyway, it's so weird what goes up and stays up yeah. and doesn't. Uh, so I there was a lot about no you know what might have been episode seven anyway might have been episode eight i don't know it was the episode where they talked about the computer revolution and it, they they talked of course about apple and the ibm pc and uh they talked a little bit about getting online and they did it in a way that was not tedious to watch and that's anytime somebody talks about mm-hmm. Although, no, it wasn't too, wasn't too cute. Right, it wasn't cute at all. They re, they they showed and some of the uh, some of the quotations from scientists back then and people who were sort of in the know uh, were saying that you know what in in uh, there was a news reporter interviewing a computer scientist of some kind and he was saying uh, my understanding is that in ten years uh, you know kids uh, are are going to have these in their home and he says well in, in less than that you'll have this kind of stuff in your home too and he's like. Huh. You know, do do we want computers? Do we really want these things in our home? Do we want to move toward a paperless, uh, cashless society? It might not be something we want, you know, but uh, they talked about cell phones and, and computers and what they showed. It wasn't so much to do it in. Ha Look how stupid this stuff was and how much better what we have is now. It, it, they didn't approach it that way at all. They really approached it in a straightforward like this is what was going on back then. And it was a big deal and it changed everything. You know, they showed uh, the first Apple IIs. They showed how IBM transitioned from being mainframes into making personal computers. They showed a bit about Bill Gates that was really interesting. Uh, him in his early 20s talking about, you know, uh, about where he thought things would go. Uh, Steve Jobs unveiling the first Mac. Um, I mean, it was, but it was condensed down in a way that really gave you the perspective of this is an overview, but it also shows really how things really were. They talk about the first piece of technology that everyone seemed to have and that really changed everybody's lives. And they identified this as being the Sony Walkman. And I totally agree. Yep. This was something that like everyone had it. And it, we went from, they were saying in the beginning of the 80s, you, the only technology that you might have in your house was a radio, a TV, and an answering machine. And that was about it. That's all we had. And then the right. next thing that was like, people are going to have this personal technology device that they, that's really theirs that they take around with them. It's going to be 
what the Sony Walkman and it it was just when they started talking about it talking about how they were how they were built how they were these really dense uh heavy little devices full of technology and Sony was like the company doing this stuff you know uh it's just it really made me realize how so much seemed to happen in the 80s not just in technology but especially in technology, but also in the evolution of what we think of as modern cinema, the evolution of what we think of as modern television, you know, the, the, yeah, we turned, we turned a lot of corners. The seventies were kind really of did. really like the sixties 2.0, but like so many pivots happened in the eighties that we're still really sorting out today. We really are. And I just thought it all kind of came together in, in that episode. So I, I just wanted to recommend that again. It's on Netflix. It's available there. Maybe it's on do YouTube. The, do the Insta watcher. See if you can, if it's up. <laughs> Insta watcher. Um, instant watcher instant watcher the ultimate guide for streaming there it is i think we found it there once before yeah the See if you can find it. that is um yeah there it is i'm gonna think on that we should we should talk about that more because that that is super interesting and i'll, I'll give you one that even uh, maybe ties this together even more you, you've heard me mentioning uh boy, there's so many threads here um the uh, twitter account i like pessimist archive mm-hmm and that's the site where the fellow who does it finds like especially old newspaper clippings, but basically all of this booga booga, this new technology is going to ruin everything stuff from over the years. And you know, the, the, the nut of it is, it, it is funny, but the nut of it is that like, there is not a single piece of technology we use today that didn't scare the crap out of somebody at some oh, point. Oh, so true. So let me first find the Twitter account. Pessimist archive. I think it's called. Um, you know, I mean, but it's, it's weird because now, uh, now that I'm in my, you know, forties, I look around and I think, you know, like take Snapchat's the perfect example of this is that when Snapchat first came out, the user interface, uh, it was, it was so different than what other people were used I to do. I could doing. not make head nor tails. Right. And no but, idea. But Merlin, in your whole life, when were you n- the guy who couldn't make heads or tails of something in the world of technology, right? I got TCP IP configured on a daily basis. <laughs> I knew to throw out, throw out the DNS prefs. Like, I, I, I have done that in the past. Like, it's just, it's, it's a young man's game. Right. But, I mean, that's right. how so many people... I think felt at that time that they were coming and, and they did talk on this episode about like how hard it was to use computers back then. Like using I mean, a computer was hard. It was hard to do. It came with like a ring binder. Like I think when you buy like a PC, like an IBM, you it would come with like a binder. Right. Of stuff you had to read. I yeah. mean, maybe I'm misremembering. I remember the TN994A being like that where like you had to sit there and it was like doing your MySQL tutorials, like to, to do the most basic stuff. <laughs> right. So, so the pessimist archive is, and that's in show notes, uh, just great, wonderful, hilarious stuff <laughs> list blamed for kids committing murder, 1880s, dime novels, 1920s, radio, 1930s, movies, 1950s, comics, 2000s, video games. It's just like every generation. That's just one example tweet. There's, and then examples of headlines, dime novels are why people are being murdered according to this headline. So um, I encourage you to follow them. It's a great way to just kind of like catch yourself being an old person. Uh, I will also recommend the podcast by Pessimist Archive. And where I'm going with all of this is their inaugural episode from, looks like five months ago. God, SoundCloud. Anyway, five months ago, uh, they put out the very first episode of Pessimist Archive, and it's called The Walkman. 
travel back to the 80s with us, where oh, cool. the portable cassette player was accursed. Excuse me. God. Um, travel back to the 80s, where the portable cassette player was accused of turning people into, quote, wind-up non-humans. Laws were passed to keep them on uh, on the streets, and one New Jersey man risked jail time for his right to walk with headphones. Like, so, I mean, that was a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> people People thought, oh my God, you're going to go deaf? Why don't you talk to people? Right. Like, civil society will fall apart because of all of these dumb kids <laughs> with their with their Sony Walkmans. <laughs> and so, you know, it's... Oh, I loved my Walkman. I loved it. Oh, I, my girlfriend had one and she would like lend it to me sometimes during school. That's when I fell in love with Adam and the Ants. It was like walking around, listening to Kings of the Wild Frontier on cassette while I was just walking through the halls at school and it felt magic. I think it really, it felt it was like, like, a, it was like an out of body experience. It was a soundtrack to your own life now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, cause we didn't have a, we didn't have a cassette player in our car. Cassettes were something that, as a kid for me, cassettes were something like I had a Sesame Street cassette. You pop it into the little Zenith tape recorder. Right. You know, you have cassettes that you record yourself. But, that, you know, when I was a kid, it was, uh, we were we were an 8-track family. But, you know, it was oh, yeah. albums and 8-tracks. But, like, this was this thing where you could make your own recordings and listen to them anywhere. Anyway, I just thought that you might want to check out that episode because it's right in your wheelhouse. Oh, I'm going to. That's idea, awesome. There was such a hysteria about, like, there are people walking around on the streets with headphones on. Like, oh, my God, that's so crazy. And it's like, but, you know, there's an element of truth to all of these things. Well, yeah, like, you know what? If you're in San Francisco for, like, uh, I guess normally WWDC – don't walk around the tenderloin with your badge on wearing no. headphones no. at two in the morning. Like there's a no variety one's doing of ways. That. Oh God. People, people just walk around with their, cause it's cool, right? You walk around and you're, Hey, I've been wearing the 2017 jacket or whatever. And it's like, Oh my God, you are just, you are basically like a gifted pinata. Like somebody is just going to pop you and all the candy is going to fall out. You are such an easy target. You're obviously a tourist who has computer equipment with them. <laughs> so like, you're pre-qualified for thieves all over town. Man. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know what? Use some common sense. Absolutely. But, but this is a good episode. We're, uh, we're covering a lot of uh, consistent territory. Definitely. Beating it to death with style. Ooh. Mm, pessimist archive. Um, I feel like I pretty definitely watched most of the episodes of this. And I remember thinking it was... Better than I expected. Like a cut above the usual, like nostalgia podcast kind of, th- or nostalgia TV show kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. I so you so. put that in. You put that in notes, right? Yeah, I did. Okie dokie. Did you have um, anything else you wanted to tell me about? Yeah, I would like to tell you about our uh, our friends over at Blue Apron. Blue Apron. You're familiar with the Blue Apron? Frizzled onions. Frizzled. Frizzled onions. Sometimes I'll just be walking around the house and I'll go, hmm, frizzled onions. That just feels good in my mouth to something say. You, something you whip up? Tell our listeners what the deal is with this uh, this, this Blue Apron operation. Blue, what do they do? They are the number, the Blue, blue, blue Apron. Blue. Number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the United States of America. They, uh, they have a mission. The mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. And they do this in a way that uh, supports more sustainable food system that sets incredibly high standards for ingredients. And they, their mission, their goal is to create a community of home chefs, not just people who make food, but people who enjoy cooking, people who 
uh, are are a chef in their own home, and they they do a really good job of this. I don't. They, one of the topics I wanted to bring up, I want to talk about smoking some meats, but hmm. meat, 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 meat. I don't meat en- smoking. Yeah, meat but smoking. I don't enjoy. I don't enjoy. With that as an exception, I don't enjoy any kind of food prep until I started getting these meals from Blue Apron, and I started actually like cooking and being involved and like involving other human beings in my house in the cooking process who knew that you could actually like enjoy this and make something that turns out good and that looks like the picture on the card that they send you that they say this is this is what your meal is going to be and here's how it's going to look and here's how long it's going to take to make it um great meals kind of stuff that like if it was left up to me i'd be like well you know, we can have uh, rice with some butter on it or a hot dog. You know, it, they take you out of that. Again, talking about like being in a rut, you know, <laughs> right. like they have like a vegetable chili and baked like salami or pepperoni. That's right. Those are your choices. But yeah. they do tons of stuff like spicy shrimp, uh, coconut curry with cabbage and rice. This is like an upcoming meal that they give me a, a list of. I haven't had that one yet. Salmon, uh, salmon, salmon rushti. Salman Rushdie, that's, uh, uh, was, was, uh, that with, was, he's married to uh, Princess uh, Padme. With Orzo and, and Broccoli. Mm. Uh, you can have him. I mean, all of this stuff is there. And it's, it's just, it's so much fun to actually make something in your house with real ingredients that, that, that make a difference. It's affordable, less than 10 bucks per person per meal. Uh, and they have these seasonal recipes, pre-portioned ingredients, all fresh. You don't have to like struggle to find out what you're going to make. You don't have to struggle to go and find out w- where to get the ingredients. Uh, how you don't waste anything because everything gets used. Uh, it's it's just great. So you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping. It's a big one by going to blueapron.com/backtowork again. Three meals free with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash back to work. You're going to love this. Make some great meals yourself in your own home. I don't wait. Get started now. This is a better way to cook. Blueapron.com slash back to work. Thanks, Blue Apron. Buck, buck. Can I, um, can I tell you something about Blue Apron? There was an unexpected benefit to yeah. me. Yeah. I like the fact that the, uh, this is, I'm kind of, I think I'm paraphrasing other people, I think Mike Hurley has said this, but it's, it's just, it's not hard to make these meals, but it's also not as, it's not like making ramen. Like you do have to think a little bit Mm -hmm. and you may actually find recipes you really like, but here's the thing, um, that was fun and surprising to me. Like a lot of kids, my, my kid has a pretty clear idea of what it is that she wants to eat at a given time and very much what she does not want to eat. Mm. And it can be really hard to get her to try new things. But here's a cool thing is like whenever we do blue apron, uh, it's a, it's, it's, you know how there's different things that mom or dad does with the kids. This is mostly a mom and daughter thing uh, that I help with sometimes, but like we make it together, which I have to tell you, honestly, we almost never do. Usually my kids sitting there doing homework or watching TV while I make dinner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Only after five, but, uh, but you know, and I'm in the kitchen doing all the hard work cause that's how it works. But in this instance, she loves cutting up onions. She loves like reading the recipe and, and, Here's the funny thing. So that's fun. That's a fun family thing that is like the kind of like what you expect a family to do. It's kind of fun and easy. But also, she is so much more likely to try a new food if she helped make it. Right. Whether that's a salad, she loves making salads, or in this case, there's some there's some some pretty wackadoo recipes that Blue Apron gives you that she will totally try. They're very grown-up tastes, but she will totally try it because she got to help make it. 
I don't know if you ever get this, but it's a really nice side benefit. And you got a little fun family event out of it. That's cool. Blue Apron. Blue Apron. Blue Apron. Do it. Go. Tie on the Blue Apron. (laughs) Mm. We're going to have to just not use that. That's not good. No, that's not not the best one. Smoked meats. I also have, uh, I'll get through this. Here's one quickie. And you do, if you want to talk about meats. I want to say thanks to listener Ryan. Little Ryan? uh, no, no, this is a big Ryan. Oh. This is uh, Orange County Ryan. That's what we used to call him. OC. OC, OC Ryan. the OC. The OC. California. I used to love that show. Ah. Oh. Hi. Uh, listener Ryan says um, that he works uh, for Goodwill. He wanted to say thank you for mentioning Goodwill. And I think he was being a good sport about it because we were being sort of silly. But I was mentioning, you know, that I, you know, Goodwill does good work. That's it's right there in the name. Uh, but he is a technology <laughs> services director for a project. And uh, I wanted to say thank you to listener Ryan for writing to us. And uh, I put his uh, shopgoodwill.com site into show notes if you would like to go and look at some items there and uh, help with good cause. Thank you to listener Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Page two. <laughs> I only have one more substantial piece. Do you want to talk about smoked meat? Yeah, after you do, I want your. I want to hear about your substantial piece. Uh, listener, I'm going to just try this. I went and looked on the internet. This is the closest I've got on pronunciation. I am genuinely sorry when I mispronounce somebody's name. Names are important. That's what Dale Carnegie says. Listener Chuck Wu, I believe. Listener Chuck Wu says, I wrote a really nice email, very effusive. Thank you very much, listener Chuck Wu. Uh, the nut graph is, if you guys have time on the show, I would love to hear your thoughts on this question that I was thinking about the other day. Given all that you know today and how the world is today, if you were forced to choose between being either a good writer or a good and eloquent speaker, which would you choose? Dan Benjamin, if you could choose, knowing what you know today about the world. Mm. And you can take it any way you want. It's a thought experiment. But uh, So the choice is between being an uh, eloquent speaker and a what kind of writer? Well, you know me. First of all, it's always two things with me, but also I will find a way to uh, cheat, just so you know. So if you want to cheat, that's okay. My answer is a cheat, but I think it's a very interesting I question. I don't know. I, well, what, let me let answer? me give a let me give a frame to this landscape. Uh, those are potentially very different skills, potentially very different contexts. You know, one you, I mean, in both cases, you do lots of preparation in private and then make it public. One is seemingly more performative than the other. The other is perhaps more taxing mentally. I think it's, but I thought it was a, I thought it was a very interesting question because I definitely see the benefit in being, in being both. I bet you'd rather be a good writer. You're already a good speaker. You got podcasts and stuff, Mm. but what's, what do you say? What do you think is more important? That's such a tough answer. I really think, I think that being, I think that you have, Overall, I think you have a wider reach if you are a good writer in the past. But I feel like going forward, if you're if you're talking about speaking the way I kind of imagine it, which is to say like being able to get up in front of a crowd or being able to like be on YouTube and make an effective video on YouTube, I, I think that's where we're going in the future. For better or for worse, I think, you know, like watching something, that's that's where the world is kind of now like they want to watch and listen to things much more than they want to read. And I'm guilty of that too. I used to read up until 
you know, I don't know, at some point in the 90s when things sort of transitioned, I was always reading stuff all the time. Now, I mean, like I read at in in the day on the computer, but I'm talking about sitting down and reading a book or reading a really good article. I'm probably these days going to pick a podcast or even an audiobook or uh or watch a a show of some kind over sitting down and reading right now. I I don't imagine it'll be like that in my whole life, but I feel like hmm. the ability to be a good orator to to uh to have the ability to communicate in that way I think that's a pretty powerful thing going forward. But for me myself, I'd pick a writer. Yeah. What's your yeah. cheat, though? Well, I mean, here's my, my here's my my most useful cheat is I think they both have a lot of benefits. The beginning of the cheat is a lot of those benefits are very complimentary. There are things. Well, the bottom line is this: I think you can be a good writer without being a good speaker. And I think it, but I think it's very difficult to be a good speaker without being a good writer would be the distinction. Um, as far as which one is probably more useful uh, to your average bear, right. I would say probably writing because in addition to like, you know, I still feel like there's always this like, why, why nobody writes anymore, but no, actually people write a lot. Dan just read a status update mm-hmm. from one of the biggest <laughs> and most important companies in the world that was presumably professionally written by somebody they knew enough to act pretentious to seem smart. Yeah. And forgive me if I'm just bagging on some poor engineer that's really having a tough day. But that kind of messaging is really important and it comes down to good writing. And you know, good writing in some ways stems from good thinking. It comes from you know, having a certain critical eye. Um, so I think probably for most people, being a good writer it has more practical uses. But being a good speaker... Because there's elements of being a good speaker that come down to things like understanding what it is you're trying to communicate orally and being able to um, do that in an an efficient, you know, effective way. So like, you know, you could be the best prepared first person in the world, but if you dither at the big presentation because you're not good at organizing your thoughts or you're nervous about speaking, that'll get in the way. But I mean, I think the, so that's my cheat answer. But I guess what I'm really, my thought on this is that like, when I say you could be a successful, you could be a good writer without being a good speaker, but not vice versa, because there's so much writing involved in speaking. <clears throat> or at the very least, there's so much organizing of thought that happens in speaking where you can't say everything. You, you know, there's little tricks. Like, yeah. oh, you know, you have three big, you know, one big point and three small points. That's, that's a good place to start. If you have to do public speaking, start with that. If you had to say it all in one sentence, what would it be? And then what are the three three points that you use to expand that? That's not everything you need to know about speaking, but that's the first thing you need to know about speaking, um, I think. Um, but that's so much easier said than done. You have to throw out so many good ideas in order to be a good speaker. There has to be so much economy. And I'm setting aside, obviously, my dithering on a podcast for an hour and diggity 22 minutes. But when you're doing any kind of, you know, formal speaking or speaking in a formal environment, there's so much editing that has to happen. There's usually so much rehearsal. And I think a lot of that starts with good writing. Now, that good writing then has to turn into a good performance. You have to ultimately, tip number two, I guess, is put on a good show. Don't just, don't just be there to make slides move. We did a whole episode about this. I'll find for notes how to do better presentations. But that's my thought on it. I bet you don't meet that many good speakers that aren't at least pretty good writers. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about writing, though, is there's so many benefits to writing. It's, that at, are the not ba- about- it's at the basis of so much. Well, yeah, because I, I think in, 
I suspect that in a lot of people's minds, um, writing is almost synonymous with publishing. I mean, those are really kind of quite different things. The idea of producing text for a purpose and putting it in public is what most professional writers do. But there's a whole bunch of benefits to writing that if, even if nobody ever sees what you're doing, you will learn so much. And that could be just something as sim- simple as journaling or morning pages or something like that. That's a, that's a form of writing. Mm-hmm. But writing often forces you to be critical about what you're doing, it, it, I feel like. It forces you to clarify ideas. It forces you to think and then write economically and to write in ways that are clear. Clear writing is harder than it sounds. You know, when you when you encounter things like that sort of bureaucracy's language or just even the language in the immigration order from a couple months ago, it's like, I mean, that's just bad legal writing. I'm not a legal scholar and I could read that and go, this is not very well done. Like that, that's so much of what you do in law is learning how to say something that could not even conceivably be confusing. And sometimes you do that by piling on tons of verbiage and wordsmithing, as they say. But a lot of times it's just trying to be a model of clarity to say that this will always be this and never that. Like, how can you get your statements down to that level of clarity? So whether that's persuasive writing, personal writing, professional communication, I feel like there's so many benefits to that that are not always clear on the days when it's difficult to write. Right, yeah. Did you get that? Like when you were writing more for uh, your weblog or blog, I mean, you're a very good writer. That's what you studied in school. Um, I mean, did, didn't you discover side benefits from writing often? I definitely did. I mean, you get you get it. I think it has a direct impact on the way that you think in the sense that like, <clears throat> excuse me. And I mean, I, Arrival, I think, touches on, on this the movie Arrival. I don't oh, know if you've right. Seen it. Yes. Um, but That's it, really a good point. The, I don't know how I can talk about it without ruining a, a major plot point. But well, I mean, you could just say something as simple as what if. There's the, there's a the spoken language we have. There's the written language we have. What if there? What if we were just like? What if we were potentially not even using language? How do you describe communication without talking about language and vice versa? Yeah. What if there are ways to communicate that aren't just ESP? <laughs> but like, what if there are ways to communicate that we just we don't understand because of our own? What if there are things to learn from languages that we're not even capable of understanding because of language? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I really do think. Language affects the way that you think. I think that it, it, it definitely, if you get into the habit of writing a lot, you start to think the way that you write, I think. If, you, if, you're, if you're used to writing two-sentence emails, maybe you think in a two-sentence kind of a way. And if you're used to writing a five-paragraph essay, maybe you, you think in that way. And I definitely think that continues into the way that you communicate verbally with other people when you're talking to somebody else. If, you, if you're a good writer... Uh, there's a very good chance that that will translate into your other communication. You know, when you're speaking to somebody, if you're used to phrasing your thoughts and putting together complicated concepts or arguments, then that that will help you when you're speaking as well. I would think. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we kind of uh, we kind of go the opposite way now. Everything is 140 characters or less or a quick text. And I'm guilty of that in a big way. I'm terrible at, at texting. Um, 
And I think that it definitely changes the way that you think and changes your attention span, just like watching TV instead of, uh, instead of reading something. I mean, I still have these vivid memories in, you know, my early teenage years where I would get a book and I would start reading it and I would just read it late, late, late into the night and then wake up the next day and read it all day. You know, like I loved, I I loved that. And you, you know, the books weren't just, oh yeah, I read that book. It's pretty good. It like became a completely immersive experience for the period of two, three, four, five days or whatever that it would take me to, to completely immerse myself. And like school was just in the damn way of me reading this book, you know, like that's, that's how my kid is now. Yeah. Like, she just, every that. spare minute, every spare minute, she's just nerding out, like, you know, looking at a book. And I remember that I know what you're talking about. I guess some of that's been supplanted, not just by the way we write with stuff like Twitter, but like, I don't know if we always give ourselves proper credit for how much we do read. Like we may not be reading the things we mean to be reading, but I feel like I probably take in more words per day than I ever have. It's just, I'm not entirely aware of like where my attention has gone for that. Right. And quite honestly, I, this is not something I'm proud to say, but my attention span for reading books has just gone in the toilet. I keep getting these books and wanting to start them, but like, I don't know. I just, I, partly it's also my eyes. Like it's, I, it's not as easy for me to read. I mean, my eyesight's not terrible, but like, it's not, I used to be like, I'll see my walk into my kid will be like, you know, the Hue lights will be at like 20% and she's reading a book and I, I hear the words coming out of my mouth. You're going to ruin your eyes. I don't think she's going to ruin her eyes, <laughs> but she can read in like practical darkness. And I'm like, can we get much, much brighter bulbs in here, please? I don't know. I don't know. But the, you know, maybe that's a good place to wrap it is right there is that, you yeah. know, Above all, well, just that above all, I mean, like, you know, something everybody will tell you when you're thinking about writing, maybe even thinking about speaking. I mean, a good speaker has, it helps to be a good listener. And for a good writer, it helps to be a good reader. Like a big piece of what you're doing when you're writing is some of the fuel for that is not just your own mind grapes, but it's also all of the different things that you're taking in as a reader of things that you're synthesizing. And maybe it's something you read this morning, or maybe it's something you forgot about from 20 years ago. And now you synthesize two pieces of information and have something to say about it. Um, you know, and again, being, being a good presenter or a good speaker, I mean, speaker can mean so many things. It's not just Ted talks. It could also be asking for a raise. I mean, yeah, you know what? I mean, being able to go in and sit down at a, at a, at a desk across from your boss and say, here's why I think I deserve a raise and be able to effectively communicate that with your voice. That's got a lot of that I think comes from writing. It would be really difficult to accomplish that. I bet it's pretty hard to get a raise from writing a request versus vocalizing a request mm-hmm. and to do it succinctly and in, in a persuasive way where it seems like not only obvious, but essential that you be given that raise that like, it's essential to like the business's functioning that you be compensated in this way. It could be a title. It could be a, whatever your company car, I don't know. But you know, I think we all sweat that like going in and trying to do that and have that discussion or just, you know, really any kind of discussion you have to have with people to be a good speaker is more, you know, it's more than, like I say, it's more than TED Talks. It's about being a clear, efficient, and empathetic communicator. Right. It takes a lot of time and practice. Wow, we helped a lot of people this week, Dan. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Blue Apron. Blue Apron. And? Oh, uh, Martin Bow. Martin Bow! Hey, my bell's working. S3 must be back. Dan, just before we go, could you give us one more update? 
Uh, there, on the status of Amazon S3 as we record this, there's still no updates. I've been uh, I've been obsessively re- refreshing the page, but uh, some like for example, the Amazon API gateway in North Virginia, hmm. it's it's green with a little I, and the I is uh, referenced in detail note, which says increased error rates. Hmm. But Amazon that's, that's Athena, <laughs> Amazon Athena is full on red, down, but. Amazon Elastic File System in in uh, in North Virginia, green, good, green, good. But there's a lot down now. If if the remaining services, the Amazon API Gateway in Northern California, service operating normally green. Service Health Dashboard is that where you are? Uh yes. Status. Oh my God! Look at all of this. Yeah. <gasps> oh no, this is not good. No. Oh, and so this is uh, impacting your uh, your fireside people, huh? In- impacting them, but it's it's it's. Are they uh, impacted by increased error rates experience? Uh, yes. Do you see the big, <laughs> the big sort of orangish, peach colored alert box? Uh, it sure is. We continue to experience high error rates impacting various services. Working hard at repairing S three. Believe we understand root cause. Oh, Rorschach's back. <laughs> Working hard at repairing S3. Believe we understand root cause. Are working on implementing what we believe will remediate the issue. Must investigate further. I sound more like Patty and Selma. <laughs> <laughs> I have a ham radio. All right. Well, let's uh, button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. 